We are in week two. Let me see, is this thing on? I'm going to try to control it from here. There we go. We are in week two of our new series from Titus, uh, Guarding the Common Faith. And um, our focus today is on godly character and godly dedication to his word. But remember last week we talked about it's a precious faith and it deserves to be guarded and protected. Kids, you remember last week we looked at those pictures of the jewels and said how much they were protected and, and that there were all kinds of security systems in place? Well, let me ask you this, kids, and John Glenn, a kid, getting bigger it seems like all the time. Look at those arms, that's crazy. Are you still lifting at home? No? Man, it sure looks like it. <laughs> His biceps are bigger around than my thighs. <laughs> All right, kids, do you think, we talked about last week protecting the jewel that is the, the, the precious word of God and, and, and our faith, but do you think you need protecting? You do? That's cool. I'm, I'm glad you're there. Some kids think, ah, I can handle myself. I can, I can take care of myself. Uh, but, okay, let's imagine this. A big mama bear comes rushing out of the woods, and that's not highly unlikely in, in Greensboro where y'all live. Big mama bear comes out uh, of the woods rushing out of the yard. What do you think he would do? Run? Well, they say that's the worst thing you can do. Or curl up in a ball and, and put your hands over your head. They actually say that's the best thing. But who would you want to protect you if there was a big mama bear coming out of the woods after you? Who would you want to be there to protect you? How about this little guy? You think he'd offer much protection uh, against a, a mad mama bear? <laughs> what about this guy? Does that look a little better? <laughs> I think so. But I saw on Instagram of that little dog, I saw some pictures of little dogs like that chasing away bears too. But I kind of, kids, I kind of like this guy more on my side, right? Looks like he might be able to chase. What about this guy, these guys? Would you want them to protect you? They are great protectors, our police officers. The background checks that they have to go through and the physical training, and there's a... There's bad cops out there, but 99.999%. Look at, look at that guy's arms, almost as big as John Glenn's. <laughs> I bet you those two guys could chase a bear off. Don't you think so? What about this guy? Anybody know who that is? <laughs> that pig that, that DJ's killed is almost as big as a mama bear, and he's one of the dads in our church, and, and dads are good protectors. Dads, uh, you know, policemen and dads. Of course, God is our biggest protector. He's our biggest, strongest protector. And then our parents, our dads who we celebrate today, they protect and fight for us too. But when we need to, a person to protect us from danger, we need somebody big and strong, maybe with a gun, somebody we can trust, somebody who know, we know loves us and cares for us, who has the physical and inner strength to fight for us, right? Well, remember, last week we talked about protecting that precious jewel that is what we believe. That precious jewel, the faith that we have in what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
And we talked about protecting that. We said that a faith this precious is worth protecting, even more than priceless jewels. God himself is our primary protector. God himself is our primary protector. But Paul tells Titus that in the church there on Crete, the church needs to have trustworthy, big, strong guys to protect the faith that we have. Not necessarily big and strong physically, but spiritually, strong guys who are kind and loving, but who are also strong enough to chase away big angry mama bears or pigs who might try to steal and lie about what we believe and tell us things that aren't in the Bible. So in our church, we choose elders who are gentle giants, men filled with love for God and his sheep, us, they're kind of, our elders are kind of like our dads in the church. Um, they, men who are spiritually strong enough to stand up for what's true about the Bible and Jesus. Right now we have just two elders after Mr. Ronnie passed away. Talk about the model of a gentle giant. Mr. Ronnie was a man who was so gentle. And, and what was that? Well, uh, well we, I, I'm actually, yeah. And actually we have another one which I'm about to explain, but Mr. Ronnie was a great example of a gentle giant. And he loved his family, loved his church, loved the faith, loved the doctrine, but he was, and was willing to, you know, stand up to a mama bear who might be trying to steal our faith. But he was so gentle and so loving. I love that picture. I just saw it. Liz put a picture of my ordination on the, on the webpage, and I, this week, Roberta pointed out to me, Ronnie's standing right here when I was ordained. And um, it's just a special memory. But right now we have Mr. Glenn, who is a ruling elder in our church. And Mr. Glenn loves to protect the faith and loves people. And then we have me. I'm, I'm called a teaching elder. And, and this church has, has called me to be an elder in the church who teaches. Um, we also have Mr. Ray. Mr. Ray was chosen by another church, another denomination that we kind of are sisters with, to be an elder and to guard and protect the faith. And so Mr. Ray helps Glenn and I, and we really appreciate his wisdom. Mr. Ray is kind of like a dad to us, although you might be too young for Glenn, but uh, Mr. Ray is a good example of someone who loves the faith and is willing to protect the faith. And we have deacons, too. Other leaders in our church, uh, Tano and Mr. Tommy and who are deacons? Mr. Keith and Mr. Bobby. And those men are also spiritual leaders in our church who take care spiritually of the physical needs of our church family. But they also have to know the word of God so they can stand up and protect the church too. You might have to fight off an angry mama bear sometime in here, Tano. <laughs> Somebody trying to come in, she, angry mom, we're trying to steal what we believe in Jesus. We need to pray that God sends us some more guys who love the Lord and his word and love his people and are willing and able to protect the faith of God's precious children like you and me. And we want them to look like this. So prospective elders in the church, this is how we want you to look. Titus 1, 5 through 9. Turn there in your Bibles. And um, it will also be on the screen. This is God's word. Titus 1, 
5 through 9. This is not my word. It's not my thoughts that come into my head. This is the word of God, forever established in the heavens, like we sang for the first hymn. Paul says to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might be able to put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward, managers of God's household, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write these instructions to Titus and the, the believers on Crete. And I thank you that it is as relevant to us today as it was 2,000 years ago, this being the very word of God. And so I pray that you would come this morning by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to me and through me and open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, so that we could see Jesus and him alone. I pray that you would protect these precious folks from anything that I would say that is an error. And I pray, Lord, that you would cleanse my lips, that my mouth might declare your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get into the heart of the text, I just want to point out a couple things. Uh, this is one of the passages from Paul that uses the word elder and overseer or bishop in, interchangeably, really. In our church government, uh, of the Presbyterian Church in America, we see these two as being one and the same. We don't have the title bishop in the Presbyterian Church because we believe that the, the, the word bishop or overseer is simply describing a ruling elder uh, in their role for spiritual oversight of the church. So we, and, and I discussed it kind of with the kids, we believe there are two ordained offices, elders, and the office of elder is subdivided into two, teaching elders, of which I am one, pastor shepherds who are specifically called and trained to teach and preach, who, and who often make their living doing so, and then ruling elders, who have the same character qualifications as teaching elders and are also able to teach. But teaching and ruling elders both are charged with protecting the faith with the spiritual oversight of the church. The second ordained office that I, I mentioned are deacons, and deacons take care spiritually of the physical needs of the church, but deacons also have to know their Bibles well enough to be a security guard in God's church to protect the faith. Now, here in this text that we read this morning, Titus 1, 5-9, primarily we're looking at the qualifications of elders. But as I've been explaining to the men in our uh, leadership training on Sunday mornings, um, both elders and deacons 
have the same character requirements. And really, all of us, men and women, are called to strive towards these character qualities. And that's important. We're striving together. So we want men ordained into office that, are, uh, that have these character qualities. But all of us in the church are called to strive towards these character qualities. A second point by way of introduction is that Paul and Titus were dealing with some really bad cultural problems in the church at Crete. And we're going to get into that more next week. We're going to look specifically at what was going on in the church at Crete and why Paul wrote these instructions. What was the problem? But they're dealing with cultural issues. So one, it, it seems as if a lot of the character qualifications that are developed here in these verses are actually in opposition to the culture. Don't be like the culture. Here's what you're called to be like as a leader in men's church, uh, in, in, in God's church. So many of the character and background checks for these security guards of the faith are emphasized in the opposite of what Cretan culture was. So that's a good way to think about it as we go through these characteristics and qualifications is that they might be the opposite of what we might find in our culture. The bad boy, self-made, sufficient, self-sufficient, often rude and forceful ideal of a man in our culture is not what we're looking for. Strong, yes, but a bully, no. So we're going to look at these uh, uh, character qualifications that Paul lists here. And um, I have your outlines on your bulletin. So it might help to follow the screen and the outlines on your bulletin. Um, because they're organized, these character qualities, into three categories. And we're going to call the first one foundational principles. And that's kind of like the background checks. This is that's the minimum of what, if you can't pass these background checks of these foundational principles, A through C on your outline, um, then think twice about being a leader in God's church. But then it goes on to negative principles, things an elder must not be, that's D through H on your outlines, and then positive character qualities um, that, that elders, leaders, spiritual security guards must possess. That's I through N on your outline. And then point two on your outline, the doctrinal qualifications supporting their ability to preach and teach. Foundational principles. Paul writes that if anyone is above reproach in verse six, and then he repeats it right in the very next word, verse in, in, in verse seven. The same word is used. So <clears throat> this character quality of being above reproach is emphasized by including it twice, above reproach, literally unable to be called out by the world, that the world can't make accusations against this leader in the church, this security guard of the faith. This does not mean that an elder or leader in the church must be perfect or free from sin, but it's how you deal with it. All of us struggle with the ongoing effects of sin, the old nature. But are you giving in to that old nature? Or do you try to cover it up and get defensive when other people point out sins in your lives? 
One who is above reproach has the reputation of battling sin in his own life and being quick to admit wrong and repent of sin. When we say someone is a, a good man, we don't mean they're perfect. We mean that they're aware of their weaknesses and sin and are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them to repentance and godly living above reproach. Above reproach. And, and he says very similar words to Timothy. Moreover, a, an elder or a deacon in God's church must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. Above reproach. B. A one-woman man. Literally, this is what it says. It says in our Bibles, the husband of one wife. In the Greek, it says a one-woman man. Literally, the husband of one wife. This does not rule out men who have been married more than once. In that culture, though, uh, among Jews and Gentiles, polygamy was still pretty widely practiced. Actually, believe it or not, more among Jews than Gentiles. And so when people were coming to Christ, they weren't, you weren't going to tell them you need to divorce your other wives. Um, even, even when you came to Christ, you still need to take care of these women that you've made commitments to. But is it wise for you to be a leader in the church? That was the, the issue here. Um, to be an elder, a security guard of the faith in God's church is a big job and a ton of responsibility. If you were married to more than one woman, just the upkeep on the family would make it difficult for you to focus on ministry. So one of the initial background checks, above reproach, a one-woman man. An elder is supposed to be married to one person, but implied in this is also that the elder should be known for a lifestyle of sexual purity. That sexual intimacy is to be between one man and one woman within the marriage relationship. That seems like something that's pretty the opposite of our culture today, sadly. Even our culture in the church, people often live with multiple partners before they're married. Infidelity is rampant. And easy divorce and remarriage makes people functional polygamists. Again, the one-woman man qualification does not rule out someone who has fallen sexually or been married more than once. It's what they do with it. Are they repentant? Has the person repented and been restored to his one woman? The next foundational principle, uh, background type principle, is are the man's children believers? The word here for children in the Greek would indicate that Paul's talking about adult children. And besides, elders were normally older men in the church who would have adult children. Are they believers? managing one's household well, what Paul tells Timothy, that is more thinking about children within the home. But here the question is, are the man's adult children believers or still pagan? Because if they're still pagan, worshiping the gods of the culture and the idols that were in the Greco-Roman world, if they're still pagan, it's likely they're going to be more entangled by the pagan culture around them and living recklessly, spending recklessly, sleeping around recklessly, not caring about causing scandal for the believing community. And it's hard to focus on ministry if you have to go around cleaning up the messes that your adult children are making. So we all need to examine our hearts. Now, those were the 
preliminary background check type uh, qualifications for security guards in God's church. Then he moves on to negative character principles. Thou shalt not be, right? If you think of the Ten Commandments, we have some you shalls and some you shall nots. Well, the first five under here uh, are negative character principles, the things an elder should not be known for. Shouldn't be arrogant. An elder must not be arrogant, it says. You don't want men protecting the faith who are arrogant, self-willed, or, or stubborn. Self-centeredness makes one unteachable, not willing to listen to the needs of, of the congregation under his care. It also exhibits itself often, arrogance and self-willed stubbornness, exhibits itself in kind of a haughty, better-than-now attitude towards those in the world. And if you have that kind of attitude... If you're arrogant and come across as better than now, I don't think that qualifies as being above reproach. If the world sees you as being full of yourself, that's not above reproach. An elder in God's church must not be arrogant, must not be quick-tempered, not wrathful. Is anger your modus operandi? Are you known for your anger and your quick temper? Angry people who fly off the handle and cannot, angry people fly off the handle and cannot calmly focus on the matter in hand. If you are responding in rage, even to attacks on the faith, if you are responding in rage, even to attacks on the faith, you lack the calm, strong thoughtfulness to fight off danger. Angry Quick-tempered, unstable folks need not apply, Paul says. Now, don't give up on yourself. The Lord can lead you for re to, to repentance, even for sin that seems inherent to your personality in your genes. But we must be careful about choosing men in leadership that have anger issues. Not a drunkard. Literally, not one who sits alongside wine for long periods is what it, what it actually means. Not one who sits alongside wine for long periods. But the general feeling is not addicted to much wine. God gave us wine to make our hearts glad, not to escape life and drown our sorrows. Elders are not to sit alongside wine for long periods of time. They're not to be addicted and controlled by substances. And in Timothy, this goes for deacons and elders' wives and deacons' wives too. Not sitting alongside wine for long periods of time. Not violent. Not a bully. Literally, this says not a striker. There are some men who just like to push other people around. Uh, are, are others afraid or intimidated by your anger and lack of control? What about your wife and children? Are they afraid you might fly off the handle and hurt someone? If so, you might want to examine yourself and think twice about applying for this job as a security guard in God's church. Not greedy for dishonest gain. Are you willing to drop your principles to pursue wealth or even to steal and cheat others out of what they have? Elders and deacons together take care of the finances of a church. You can't protect the precious faith of the elect if you're trying to skim off the top here or in your business. Those are the first five negative characteristics 
that an elder or a leader in the church must not be. But then he moves on to positive character principles. These are the, the principles of what you shall be. This, this is part of the job application of, well, here's my experience. I'm listing out the things that I, I, I possess to help be a security guard in God's help. Um, elders and leaders in the church are to practice hospitality. Literally here, the word is to be lovers of strangers. Isn't that interesting? But Paul says, you shall be hospitable, elders, leaders in the church, lovers of strangers. So I ask, are you welcoming strangers into your home? Are you welcoming God's people into your home? What about newcomers? Are you welcoming visitors to our church in your home? Are you developing relationships with folks other than your immediate circle? And the next one actually goes with it in the context, a lover of good and put together with hospitable, it means you seek the good of other people. You seek even strangers. You seek their good. You're a lover of good. Self-controlled. And here, it's in the context of relationships. So do you, do you have common sense when, when you're relating with other people? Um, when it comes to your dealings with others, are you overbearing and self-seeking when it comes to your relationships? Do your words lack couth? I like that word, couth. We talk about someone that's just uncouth. Well, do your words relationally with other people, do, do you control your words? Or are you and yours the point of your conversation? Do you just spout out whatever comes into your head? That's not self-control. And next, elders and leaders in the church are to be upright and then holy. Two words here. And, and the word upright or just, it it's, seems to be talking more about just in the eyes of men. Uh, obedience to the laws of society. Um, not, and, and the, the holiness that, that's talked about here, the second one, is not the holiness we receive from God or becoming more like God. It's actually devoted. So do you, are you, are you a law abider in society? Are you just and upright? And then secondly, are you devoted to the worship of God? Do you love worshiping God? Are you devoted as a leader in the church to the worship? Are you here Sunday mornings? Uh, do you look like someone dragged you in here kicking and screaming? Or do you look like you're bored out of your mind during worship? Elders and leaders in the church need to be upright and wholly devoted to the worship of God. And finally, Disciplined, it says in our ESV translations. Here, literally, it's the power over self. Do you have the self-control and discipline to do the things that you don't necessarily like doing, but know you have to do in order to grow, in order to grow and develop these characters? Are you working hard at developing godly character? That's what self-control here means. So... We went through foundational principles, above reproach, one, man, one woman man, chil believing children. Then we went through the knots, not arrogant, not greedy, not 
And then we went through the shells, hospitable, a lover of the good. Then Paul moves on to the doctrinal qualifications in verse 9. He writes about the doctrinal qualifications for a man who seeks the office of elder or overseer in God's church. You can't protect the precious faith of God's elect unless you yourself realize how precious it is. If you don't know the word, you can't protect it. And Paul says in verse 9 that an elder must undergird, hold up that which accords with sound teaching, holding up the faithful word as it is taught so that you may be able to give instruction in healthy doctrine. The word literally says healthy doctrine, sound, biblical doctrine. We try our best to be biblical around here, not inserting the commands of man on the same level as the Bible. We try our best to be biblical, not trying to figure things out logically or according to human wisdom. God's truth is truth, not man's truth. Have you seen the bumper sticker that says, uh, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, the fact of the matter actually is, is God, settled, God said it, that settles it. <laughs> it's true. If God said it, it's true. It doesn't even matter if you believe it or not. If God says it, it's true. You have to have a love for the word of God and his truth in order to be a leader in the church. Elders and leaders in the church need to be able to stand up to those who would pervert the gospel and take things away from it or, or take away from the sufficiency of Christ on our behalf, what he's done for us. But what did Paul mean when he says the faithful word, which leads to sound doctrine? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the, the apostles were proving from the Old Testament that Jesus was Messiah. God come in the flesh to die on the cross and rise from the dead for our salvation. That's what the apostles were teaching and preaching, and then they were writing down their conclusions in the New Testament. And by this time, Paul and the other apostles had been preaching and teaching for 30 to 35 years. And a lot of that's chronicled in the book of Acts and what they taught. There was already, by this time, 65 AD, there was already a settled uh, body of truth, a system of doctrine that they all taught in common. In fact, by this time, the test of true doctrine was, is it, apostol is it apostolic? The churches together determined, yes, this is what we heard from the apostles, and that's what determined truth. That's why we say the Apostles' Creed. That's one of the earliest bodies of truth, confessional statements, that the church has said, this is what the apostles teach. So by 65, there was this already established body of truth that was known as the common faith. What was it? Paul writes to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Timothy, I'm an apostle, and I'm teaching what the other apostles are teaching, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So I charge you, Timothy, you're an elder, 
you're a teaching elder in God's church, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away, turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And next week we're actually going to talk about some of the myths that the Cretan church was following. But this is what Paul's telling Timothy. You're a pastor teacher in God's church, an elder. You are to preach the word. As a security guard, you're to protect this precious faith. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. You're to protect that faith and to stand up against those who would pervert it. There's a lot of perversion out there in, in, in teaching in churches. It's sad. And we're going to look more at it next week because what was going on in Crete is not so dissimilar for what, from what goes on in our culture. But often it boils down to adding to or taking away from what Jesus did. Adding to or taking away. No, Jesus' death is not really enough. You've got to straighten up and live right. That's taking away. Adding to. Well, if you have enough faith, you're going to be happy, wealthy, and wise. <laughs> That's adding to the gospel. And the man of God, Timothy, the elder, the security guard for the church, in Ephesus, Timothy was, is supposed to stand up against those kind of things. And the elders in the church are as well. The, the body of truth that was, that was preached by the apostles was actually kind of simple. I mean, the Apostles' Creed is not complicated. But here's one of them. This is kind of one of those creedal statements in Paul's writing that talks about what we believe. Great indeed, he says, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And here, here we go. He was manifested in the flesh. And many, many original texts say God was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on the, in the world, and taken up into glory. There you have it. We're to stand up for that. We're to protect that, those precious jewel. That's what the elders and leaders in the church are called on to protect and defend. It's a system of doctrine that points to Jesus. Even though the name Jesus isn't in that confession right there, he's who it's talking about. A system of doctrine that points to Jesus and extols salvation by grace through faith alone. And it's truth that leads to godliness. It's the system of doctrine that empowers and enables godly living. Biblical doctrine empowers the equips the man of God for every good work. You can't have good doctrine unless it leads to godly living. You can't have godly living unless you have good doctrine. You can't have good character without good doctrine, and you can't have good doctrine without character because good doctrine is what builds the character that is looked for 
and a security guard in God's church. You can't separate the two. Well, I've got, I, I have good doctrine, and, and you're mean and a bully. That, that it doesn't equate. If you're mean and a bully, your doctrine's not good because it's not empowering and enabling you to the character qualifications that are listed here by Paul. So what? If it's precious, it's worth protecting. So we need to hire some highly qualified security guards in here to, to protect the precious jewel of the faith that we have. But here's a couple things. All of us have a tendency to minimize our own sin and maximize everybody else's. So in lists like these, we tend to pick and choose the things that we feel are most important, usually ones we're good at, and, and ignore the ones we don't feel like or are less important. But Paul won't let us. These character qualifications and this doctrine that he's talking about comes as a package. We often focus on the sex and alcohol parts of these lists. You know, um, I can be an elder. I only have one wife and I'm not a drunk and I keep my kids under control. Yeah, but you're as mean as a snake. And you're a bully that likes to pick fights with people. I don't care how sexually pure you think you are or that you don't drink or smoke. I don't care if you, you think you have your children under control. If you're a bully, if you're quick-tempered, you need to repent and believe the gospel to be a leader, an elder in God's church. I'm glad you're not greedy for dishonest gain and don't steal and always keep the laws of civil society, but do you practice hospitality? It's a package deal. Do you love strangers and seek their good? And don't talk to me about good doctrine if you're arrogant. Good doctrine that needs to be protected leads to humility. I don't care if you've memorized the whole Bible are a five-point Calvinist and can quote the Westminster Confession forwards and backwards, if you're proud of it and like beating people over the head with it, you're not qualified to be a leader in God's church. The fact of the matter is, if we're honest about it, none of us are qualified to be elders, security guards in God's church. If we're honest about it, if you knew me better, you would know I'm not qualified. But here's the good news. Almost every single one of these character qualities for elders and leaders who will protect the faith are very closely related to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't necessarily line them all up one for one, but these character qualifications are very closely related to the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that the Spirit is working in your life if you have faith in Jesus as your savior. So as we repent and believe the gospel, the spirit continues working faith in us and repentance. And ultimately, he is the one who chooses elders and leaders and security guards for the church. So it could very well be you. If the spirit is working his fruit in your life, you're gonna be getting closer and closer to these kinds of characteristics and the doctrine that Paul is talking about. So pray about it. Pray that God chooses 
and works in the lives of godly men to be elders and deacons in our church. We had a great call to worship, and, and I, I wanted to see if you pick up on the, the tension, right? Because basically, these characteristics, above reproach, says, blessed are, are, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. This sounds like this high character and, and doctrinal qualities. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Now, here's where a, a, a leader in God's church is. Oh, that my ways might be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I will not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. That's the attitude of a leader, a security guard in God's church. I know I'm not blameless. It says, blessed are those who blameless. I know I'm not blameless, but may the attitude of my heart be, oh, Lord, that my ways might be steadfast in keeping your statutes. That's the attitude. If it's precious, it's worth protecting. So we need to hire some highly qualified, trustworthy security guards for our faith, kind of like these guys. You didn't know you had your picture up here this morning, Ray. <laughs> right? Or, or even me. <laughs> I, I'm going to try to help protect the precious jewel that is our faith. Christ died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your patience. I thank you for your gentleness. Thank you, Lord, that we <laughs> don't make ourselves qualified. I thank you that it's you who chooses leaders in your church. But, Lord, I pray that you would make me more, uh, give me more of this attitude of, of desperation for you to guide me in your path. Of desperation, Lord, that you would give me these character qualities I want to be hospitable. I want to be a lover of good, the good even for strangers. I want to be holy and upright. And, and Lord, forgive me for the many times that I fail to be the kind of model leader, model pastor. Lord, um, I don't love as well as I should. My thoughts are often um, not pure. Lord, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Lord, I pray that you would change all of our hearts. I know that this was a kind of elder-heavy discussion this morning because that's the text we're, we're dealing with. But these kind of character qualifications and, and a love for doctrine and, and a love of, for protecting God's truth from the mama bears and wild pigs out there that would take away from it, that really applies to everyone in here, men, woman, child. Lord, develop us into the kind of, of people you would have us be. Thank you that you're not done with us yet. Thank you that the Spirit will be working his fruit in us until it smells like a, a bouquet of flowers. The old man will one day, his stench will be gone. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace.
Change us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.